0: I'm Jonathan Platt, and you're listening to Direct Line Conversations, the podcast. Nobody makes it to the top alone. Now, you don't even have to try. Your journey to a life filled with purpose and leadership fueled by confidence begins right now. This week, my guest is Isaiah Otajima, Associate Professor of Ensembles and Director of The Golden Wave Band. In this conversation, we talk about success, struggles, and how to stick to the things you love. I hope you enjoy this, my conversation with Isaiah Odejima. Isaiah, how are you? I'm well, how are you? That's fantastic. I am doing great. Uh, Isaiah, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself and uh, let our listeners know who's on the other side of their earbuds? So... I am uh, the associate director of bands here and
1: maybe more famously known as director of the um, athletic bands and director of the golden wave band, the marching band here at Baylor. Um, So it means I oversee um, all of those pet bands and the marching band for all the athletic events. That's one of my main priorities. Um, But also, you know, i am a professor and teach in the school of music and involved obviously with our music majors from performance uh to education working mostly with our instrumental students um and yeah i uh, teach classes like conducting and um some methods courses and uh you know obviously and i have a a concert ensemble that I do, which is made up of primarily music majors. So there's a lot I'm dealing with, a lot of, of stuff yeah. that I'm really excited about, a lot yeah. of things that that are uh, um, very fulfilling in my job. What's, what's your favorite part of being director of
0: the Golden Wave Band?
1: Huh. The students. <laughs> it's so easy to talk about that. Um, yeah. And I think everyone knows that uh, if you've been to Baylor and if you – have any experience working with the students that we have amazing students? Um, I feel uh, super blessed because I get to experience the the, the best of the best um, when it comes to the students that have come to our group and you know statistically speaking when you talk about the marching band, um, what you're talking about is a collection of students who are extremely high achieving. Um, you know, uh, students who have ma- music in their background. It's you know scientifically proven that those students are um, do very well academically, yeah. but also very well socially. Many of them are very adept at. Um, reading and understanding their environment and making adjustments to um, be effective in that environment. And while some people might not think like, uh, you know, band students, they may fit a particular stereotype. um, In actuality, that's um, just one sort of lens or perspective that they might see on TV. What I'm, the students I work with, their leaders in their community whatever that is you know most of the students in the athletic bands and the marching band you know over 80 percent of them are non-music majors so you know the students who might be presidents of science clubs or organizations for nursing or you know leaders of their biochem or leaders of their religious groups or you know engineering i've got tons of engineering students those leaders just happen to be in
0: the band and uh it's it's exciting for for me to be able to work with them I've I've read some of the studies about, um, like, uh, musicians and intelligence, you know, that that connection between the two of those, and how students who are in, uh, like, a hobby role with music do better in classes than students who aren't. But I've never read any of the studies about that transferring to, like, social skills. Why do you think that is? Why do you think somebody who plays a a musical instrument... um, is, is maybe, I shouldn't say more adept, but is well adept at social uh, interactions?
1: I wish I could tell you um, all the scientific data yeah. uh, behind it. So um, I'm not going to be able to um, give you all the sciencey specifics. What I know is that students who are involved in music, they build neural pathways that cross the, their brains wider, yeah, and um, they're um, they're essentially uh, when you see neural pathways uh, from students who are um, who have a lot of musical background, and you compare it to a person who doesn't necessarily have that, you'll see a much more vast webbing of pathways across their brain, and you'll see um, uh, also I. I forget what it's called, but it's, um, you know, it's like these pathways are like, you know, like tubes, like highways. Yeah. And um, uh, the things that you and I might do instinctively, they come from massive amounts of repetition we don't have to think about it. Right, like a muscle. Yeah, and um, that comes from... Those sort of strands, and again, my forgive me for not being able to to speak more eloquently about it, but if you just imagine, some of those strands might be, uh, you know, uh, just very very thin. But things that happen very quickly, instinctively for you, those strands might be very thick, because they just move
0: faster through those pathways to, to keep your metaphor kind of like a one way road versus like an eight lane highway. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and we've seen that for students who
1: have a lot of music. And so I think those are contributing factors, but I think maybe beyond the science of, if you just think about it from a standpoint of, um, what are students who are involved in music and specifically in organizations and ensembles, what mm-hmm. they're doing? And, and really, that's what they're getting in their public school experience. You know uh, There are obviously students who are taking maybe private lessons on guitar or, sure. uh, but when you're involved in things like band and orchestra and choir and when you're involved in ensembles, now you're dealing with team. And team environment is a social environment, and they're not just practicing. They're not just practicing music; they're practicing skills related to listening and um, adjusting, and, and a constant interaction of um, the person next to me is doing this. I'm doing this to match. I'm doing this to counter. I'm doing this to make adjustments so that we can move together in a team environment and that skill alone the awareness that it takes a self-awareness to be aware of others brings a heightened sense of social adeptness there's no way around that yeah because you're always working in a team environment and the thing that's maybe a little bit unusual for those team environments is that like um you know music and ensembles some of these students, they're coming from, they will have worked with those um, peers since mm-hmm. maybe the sixth grade when they started together. Yeah, and those groups may lo- be as large as who knows? I mean, you're talking about the Allen High School band where they have over 800 kids in the marching band, and uh, you know, imagine being the trumpet section leader of over, you know, 100 kids. Like, and you have to learn your leadership skills on how to handle that group. And, you know, how do I manage as a high school student? How do I manage, you know, 50 students? You know, we've right now, this upcoming season, it looks like we have 50 trumpet players, which is a lot for our group. You know, Um, but like we only have eight leaders for that group of trumpets. They have to, it's a lot to manage. Um, So I think in the aspects related to, Social adeptness, they're constantly uh, being challenged because of the the requirement it takes to be interactive with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it just comes
0: naturally to those students. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I, we could talk about the science uh, all day. And I wish I'm, I could talk about the science with more – well I was gonna say Skill. i'm i'm like you i i am i am an amateur scientist uh, <laughs> an an amateur academic research you know i I right. can't always give you the the citation to my sources sure. uh, but I can definitely come up with a good metaphor <laughs> yeah so very cool so um so Isaiah, you've been uh with the music school and the uh the the various uh band groups that you're in charge of since about two thousand nine. Is that what we said earlier? Yeah. And this is actually, you know,
1: starting two thousand nine in my current position, I've been at Baylor four different times total. And um I think it's it's always sort of strange to think about how Baylor came into my life. Um uh, I, Baylor wasn't ever on my radar. When I was an undergrad, I went to SFA, Stephen F. Austin State University, and I was yeah. a music major there. And um, when I got done with my, uh, or as I was coming close to, or coming to an end, yeah. and my time there, I was going to be a band director. I was ready to go out into public schools. And my goals at that time were I wanted to probably take to teach a little bit of middle school because, and teach beginners and, and get that experience. And then Um, and then go and teach high school and have a, a, you know, a kick butt high school marching band program. You you can say
0: ass. It's okay.
1: uh, Well, um, we were going to have a great time. And uh, so those are my aspirations. And I came from a great high school program um, when I was growing up at DeSoto High School back in the, you know, um, back at a certain time when it was uh, prominent. (laughs) Um, And, Uh, So I wanted to make the same opportunities available for students and share those experiences and create those experiences for students. So I did that. But then um, I was also very interested in in the art of conducting and, you know, waving a stick around and leading Mm -hmm. an ensemble. But in in, um, maybe ways that some people don't always think about with regard to band, Um, I, I was very interested in conducting and I was also interested very much in promoting uh the wind band medium in a very artistic way yeah um not just through what some people might envision as you know athletics or marches um so i had that desire as an undergrad and then you know i got a call from the director of bands uh michael haithcock here who had taught at baylor for 21 years um and he was here through the um, 70s or to the 90s, and um, or 2000s, I actually was here for quite some time. He was here in the 70s as a, as a grad student, but hmm. um, you know, he said, "Hey, I heard you're a great trumpet player, and we need a good trumpet grad assistant, and um, want you to come." and And I said, "Looks uh, great. I'm. Uh, I love playing trumpet, but." passion if I want to get a degree a master's degree I'm really interested in conducting and and uh, he said okay um, well you'll have to audition for both and uh, uh, I remember back at that time I was thinking I'm not really interested in doing that yeah. um, and I, I had an idea about going to University of Texas or some other place to do a master's degree in conducting. Um, after I taught public school, I wasn't going to go straight into my master's. But um, I decided, all right, let's 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 go check it out and see. So first I came to Baylor and I auditioned on trumpet and they said, great, uh, we want to give you an assistantship. And I said, great, I'm only interested if I can do conducting. So then two weeks later, I came back and did an <laughs> audition um, uh, in the conducting. and And they're like, yeah, we can do this. So they created sort of a hybrid role and uh that's cool. Did that. Um and then we I didn't have a chance to finish it. We had some family issues. Yeah. Um uh my mother and, and father were uh divorced at that time and my father was leading um or Sort of caring for the family, and he lost his job. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in manual labor, and a lot of issues happened uh, for him. Mm-hmm. And you know, my my I have a brother. His name's Sam, and he was in college. And then my younger, I'm, I have a younger sister. So younger brother, younger sister. Her name's Michelle. She was in college, going to A and And where having, was Sam? Say again. Where was Sam? He was at SFA. Okay, as well. well. Um, and so, you know, we kind of had three kiddos in college and my father lost his job and he was having some trouble making things happen and we needed a source of income. And, um, it just, I felt like, you know, actually, I really, honestly, there was, it was a very troubling time in my life. It was really, really challenging. I had done a lot of things, in preparation for graduating and also was trying to get married to my current wife. I'd saved a lot of money to buy a ring. Um I came from very modest backgrounds and um um at that time I was I hadn't made a name for myself writing college marching band shows and halftime drills for other folks. I was writing I was probably like the youngest person in America writing for University of Michigan and the University of Texas and SFA and a bunch of other places writing halftime shows during that time. And, and so I was making some money doing that, yeah. and I'd saved up all this money. And then it just sort of all seeped away because my family needed some help, and then it came – and then I – there were a lot of other things in play, and I just felt like we needed – I needed to leave. How did how did, how did that feel – to have to make that decision it was really really it was very traumatic yeah Uh, there was I I wasn't doing as well um in my classes class load as I wanted to and I mean it wasn't terrible I just wasn't doing as well as I wanted and that was irritating then there was this other thing of all this drill riding um for colleges that was taking off and I was feeling the stress of that and that was challenging um there was this um, we were doing a long distance relationship between me and my you know, uh, wife, uh, Becky. Becky, okay. Yeah, my sister's Your sister's Michelle. Michelle, I'm sorry. And, and, and um, that was challenging. And, um, you know, long I was di- long one distance, semester.
0: Long distance is in, you were in Waco and she was in? At Nacogdoches. Okay, okay.
1: Yeah, and I was one semester really kind of shy of being done. And oh, wow. uh, with my master's, and I just really – and I just felt like I just need to finish this. But I'll never forget um, – I was in just in turmoil about it, and st- uh, I was having a lot of pressure put on me, um, or I had a lot of pressure I put on myself maybe. And I, I was yeah. starting to experience anxiety attacks that I never experienced before. I was experiencing some things that I never had dealt with. Um, and I remember where I left my apartment one day, and I was just um I was walking down. I don't remember what the road is. It's uh I lived. Oh gosh, do you I remember love, where the clay pot this. used to be? Yeah, of course. Next to I thirty yeah. five. Yeah, there was an apartment complex close to that. Yeah, and I was walking around there, and I was I was just praying. Yeah, oh, I was a deep prayer, um, and almost just a desperate kind of praying. And I've been
0: praying for quite some time. And what I, is what do you qualify as desperate praying? <laughs> I love that term.
1: Ah, I think everyone probably knows that. Yeah, that sense. This, this I think you're right. Everyone does. Everybody understands that. Um, there's the. Maybe your everyday prayer, and there's the needy prayer of, and the hopeful prayers, and then I think maybe that desperate praying where you're, you feel like you you have. Your life might feel like it's coming, it's it's falling apart. You're un, unable.
0: You're not sure what to do. You're, I don't know. There's a. Do you read Do you read Anne Lamott much? No. Okay. Anne Lamont has a. Um she calls it the three prayers. And the, the the only three prayers that she says are like help, thanks, and wow. Mm. And so what kind of what you're describing is as if the help prayer was in the rearview mirror. Like you're 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 nowhere close to asking for help anymore. You're you're asking for intervention.
1: I uh, I think so. I mean I was obviously asking for help sure, for sure, intervention, of course. for yeah. sure. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a very very challenging time and uh you know there were some some health issues as well my father yeah. um was diagnosed with cancer it was just mm. a lot of stuff a lot at once
0: yeah, yeah and uh and so yeah i was before before we we started talking you you described yourself as generally a happy person um <laughs> i mean i've picked up on that just from the little time that we're together would you have do you think your colleagues your peers um students that you were working with in this period of time, would they have described you as a happy person? Like, were you putting on this, this air, were you putting on uh, a different set of wardrobe to go into public than you were in private, keeping that happiness out there? Meanwhile, in turmoil underneath.
1: I think we all have to do that in a level of self protection. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, at that time I had too
0: much on my plate and I was dealing with too much. And, but I, th- I don't think. Could you have said that at that point in time or is that from looking backwards?
1: No, I was realizing, uh, yeah. but I didn't know until it was too late. Okay. Until I was already knee deep in it. And that was, uh, it was coming on and I yeah. just didn't know, but I was putting on a, I was putting up, you know, my defense mechanism of, oh, no, everything is fine. Yeah. Uh, but it. It clearly wasn't. Yeah. You
0: know. So so you're walking down the street to campus. Yeah, you're, right. Behind you're behind Clay Pot. you're right behind Clay Pot <laughs> and that La Quinta <laughs> and we're common grounds. That's, right. Of, yeah. That's yeah, right. Exactly, exactly. Um so you're walking down there and let's let's just imagine that like you now are walking behind that kid who is, you know, maybe half a block ahead of you and is praying in desperation what do you walk up to that kid? And like, what do you come beside that kid and say, what's that lesson that from, you know, 20 years down the road, you'd want that younger Isaiah to know?
1: Well, I think back then, um, I, I, was learning about a sense of self awareness that I was un, un that wasn't available to me at that time.
0: Because you're like what at this point in time you're like what twenty three twenty four something like that. Okay, cool. yeah, and I just didn't,
1: um, I didn't understand maybe the the feelings I was having, and I just knew back then I had to be a certain version of myself, and everything I did needed to be excellent, and you know all the things that you put on yourself to be. You know, I was taking on all these responsibilities and act, activities, and I felt a great—even like, you know, I felt—my um, father's Japanese. Since my last name's Otojima, obviously, um, and, you know, one of the things staple parts of um, being in a Japanese family is, is there's, there's a great sense of— Hierarchy and responsibility. And the firstborn is, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times my father had this discussion to me about the responsibilities of being a firstborn. And he wasn't trying to uh, create pressure. He wanted me to understand that, um, you know, when his time was done that it would be my turn to take over and and then you know also as being the older brother that you know you there were things that I needed to do and I I I tried to embrace those but also there was a certain aspect of like not understanding that not everything's within my reach not everything's within my power that um, your desire to control the environment um, may maybe your greatest undoing You know, and I'm obviously a type A personality. Yeah, I was gonna Um, ask, do you know your Enneagram? Oh gosh.
0: (laughs) It's a sore subject. (laughs) It's so funny.
1: It's so funny because um I was looking this up the other day. I did it we I did it twice and I did like the full blown like pay for the money Enneagram thing. So people always say, Well, you're an eight. They always like you're an eight, whatever that is. I think it I don't know what that is. But I was, I am, um, I believe I am a three, I guess. Okay, yeah. It's a three, but my wings. Yeah. So I'm really uh, spread out evenly. So I have like a three and it was like, I don't know. Uh, Thirty something percent, and then I have a two wing, yeah. which is like yeah. twenty seven percent, yeah. and a one, yeah, which is like twenty four percent, yeah. and then a f- and then a four. I mean, I'm like kind of all spread out.
0: Those those but. that one, two, and three. Y- you and I are the inverse. If you're high on a three, if you're the highest on a three, I'm the highest on a one, mm. and then mid two, and then lower three. So I, I'm that. I'm I'm the tails. To no. your head, yeah. In this, or or whichever way you want to say it, but yeah. So, I can kind of being in that same. Sp- I'm a I'm a one. Um, I think I'm a recovering people pleaser, so I'm I'm also uh, a wing two, definitely. Yeah. Um, and that one in me loves a good solid performance. You know, yeah. loves a good like you know a hundred is it's it's acceptable. You yeah. know, you're you're looking for that hundred and yeah and one minimum. Um, I can. I can imagine myself walking down that street and it probably felt like and this is a weird metaphor, but it probably felt like you were wearing a wet fur coat. Probably so. I mean I I, I think that's probably
1: right. I, I, I mean, it's just it was just, just that weight. And uncomfortableness. Of weight. Yeah. It was uncomfortable for sure. It was very it was um a blinding anxiousness yeah um, it was mm. it was mind numbing yeah mind numbing anxiousness, and that was
0: it was very very challenging but uh, so so your so, you're, so about, you're walking up to you 're walking up to to this yeah. this twenty three twenty four year old yeah what, I think what do you want to tell him
1: you know I think it 's take a gut check and understand what 's in your control, yeah and what 's out of your control, and I think that was at the beginning of, of realization of that. Um, although at the time I didn't know what panic attacks were, even yeah. I didn't understand it. I just knew I was experiencing crazy body sensations yeah. and inability to focus, and all kinds of stuff, and deep yeah. issues of anxiety. But and then uh, more trust in the Lord. You know that's really what it boiled down to back then. I'm, I mean, um, I think. Back then, I just felt like I had to take care of all these things when, in fact, I just had really little. I took ownership for things that didn't belong to me. Yeah. You know? And, yeah, I, I would tell that and then and slow down.
0: Hmm.
1: Slow down, you know? I was in such a rush to be the very best. Hmm. I was in such a rush to fix my problems. Yeah. Like my problems, I felt like I owned my problems. Like I knew where my faults were and I knew what issues I had, which I didn't. So that's a great sense of it's funny now. It's, you know, (laughs) how uh, the uh, incredible amount of arrogance to think back then that I thought I knew what I needed to know. And obviously, you know, only time tells and and lets you know that. But um, I just felt like I knew what my issues were and I needed to fix it. And I was, Um, I was just off target, you know,
0: but before, before we started, before we hit record, you and I were talking about, um, some of the colleagues that you've been able to go to, um, over the years and, and also right now in your, in your current, um, role in relationships did you have someone like that back at that period of time did you have somebody that you were able to be very vulnerable and and like honest with in a professional side i'm sure i'm sure becky played that role um both then and now yeah um but it's a little different to have like that professional colleague
1: well back then as a grad student maybe not as much mm-hmm. um i did actually there was a couple of people who are but I don't think back then I knew how to do it. Yeah, you know I did have some folks um, who were good friends, but I don't remember us. I don't remember me ever um, leaning on anyone. I felt like I, maybe yeah. I think I, th- I think I thought I was a weakness, and I mm. and I think even with my back then, you know, girlfriend. Um, I'm not so sure. I mean, she heard me whine about stuff. Yeah, and she heard. I've, yeah, she definitely. But she was far away. Yeah, you know. Um, she, you know, I definitely would sing my woes to her, but I just didn't. That was it, really. I didn't have anyone else to talk to, and nobody close. Yeah, and I don't think anybody here at, at that time, you know. But that, I, I'm sure there were people. I just didn't know how. Yeah. You know? And and now now you have those, yeah. those people, yeah. And it's yeah, it's 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 amazing. We have uh, I have a lot of that. It, I mean, the colleagues I work with, um, in the School of Music, it's it's one of the most healthy environments mm-hmm. um, out there in any school of music. And then my long term friend and colleague and. Um, the director of bands, Eric Eric Wilson, he's, he's a great um, person that I can sit down and, you know, talk about things uh, that are challenging for me to deal with, um, concerns, issues, things that might be difficult. Um, uh, Obviously, challenges related to our jobs and cha- everyday life. Sometimes I don't f- want to say to him because he's also sort of my boss. Yeah. And I don't. And then there's other people though. I mean, I've um, talked to folks. There's uh, lots of colleagues here. Yeah. That I, I have good relationships with where yeah. we can we can um, sit down and be vulnerable with each other and yeah. and 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 feel comfortable. And that's been an important part of what I do. Yeah. I, but even even to a certain extent, to be able to share my experiences, one of the things that I think I've learned along the way that I th- I think my students value is I'm one of the lessons I've learned is um, you know don't be afraid to be vulnerable and um, the students that are coming up now um, they're knee deep in that whole thing of anxiety and depression yeah. and um all that. And I think one of the th- reasons why I'm here, one of the things that I think um why God has placed me into this in this specific place is th- so that I can continuously share m- my stories and to let them know and I think I'm um I try to be open and vulnerable with them about things that are um challenging in my life and things that have been challenging and how I deal with them. I try to pass that on just so that they understand, like, oh, you know, or even my professor and a leader of an organization still is dealing with those things as well. And it's been really wonderful to do that within our community because I have students who are just absolutely amazing. I might not have a great day or I might be wearing a little bit more of the pressure than I want to want to wear when I get outside and work with my students. I try to be very positive, but sometimes, you know, the things might be weighing me down. And yeah, I have some unbelievable students who are just so perceptive and will come up to me after a rehearsal and say, hey, Dr. O, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm great. And they're like, felt like you might have had a little bit of, um, mm. something heavy on your heart, you know, and, uh, like, well, actually, you know, these things and, you know, we might pray together and it just, it's, um, it's just been a, a real blessing to be involved with those students, being able to provide them with moments of vulnerability of, of sharing my stories, um, dealing with, I've dealt with depression as well, um. I've had history of you know anxiety stuff of of going down dark paths um and helping you know a lot of students uh deal with that I it's yeah I don't one of the most important things I I have done um is I I know that God has placed students in at my doorstep at my office who wouldn't go to anywhere else anyone else and um, I've counseled and been a mentor and been um, a person of trust for it seems like every year there's someone who I wasn't expecting yeah who was just in turmoil and just in great agony and who needed, and they start talking and i can tell immediately oh they need to hear this my past story of this moment yeah you know it's like i know immediately that was not by accident yeah it happened and they needed it right then and there you know um and so yeah it's been an unusual i wasn't expecting that to be here i wasn't i what i expected was to be you know, a, a music person, Yeah, and yeah. Person. Yeah. And I, I still do that. Mm-hmm. But the majority of what I do now is create um, meaningful, lasting um, relationships with, with students, create um, intentional um, moments of um, togetherness and intentional moments of... Uh, guided fellowship, yeah, through music, yeah. That's what I do.
0: I've I've heard um, a uh, a professor that I was really close with say, um, "I'm paid to teach, you know this this topic, this subject. Um, my job is to help students that that just happens to be their major. Yeah, that it's a to- it's 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 two totally separate things. That you know, I'm paid to stand and lecture. I'm paid to you know, assign grades. I'm paid to write a paper um, and publish, uh, but my real job is in the relationships with with students.
1: Oh, for sure. Well, uh, I, I'm going to steal
0: that because <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. that's absolutely a case for me. I, another another thing that I've heard said, uh, not by professor. This was from uh, my old East Texas uh, church, was that everyone needs a Paul someone who's a mentor, you know, ahead of you. Everyone needs uh, a Silas, someone who is beside you, and everyone needs a Timothy. And it sounds like that you're really well balanced in that, in this current role, that your boss is someone that you're very close with and you have a great relationship with. You've, you know, spoken about some of your colleagues that you have, and then you also have this great relationship with students. How do you think you got to that point? And if you're someone who, like, if I'm listening to this and I'm not someone who has that balance, what is something that I could start doing to try to find that?
1: Gosh, I don't want to speak like on this uh, as if I'm an expert. All I can tell you is maybe where I'm coming from and what I I strive for. And I, and, and uh, you're you're so. an
0: expert from your experience. Yeah, so. maybe so. I I
1: don't know. I. Um, you, I think again, the importance of, of taking time to be self-aware and, and really taking time to, um, stop and think and assess and being kind to yourself about, about that. Um, it's very easy for I think folks and I'm I'm constantly in that battle right now of I have a million things to do mm-hmm. and uh, from large projects to the tiniest ones and uh, um I'm just guilty of this yesterday we were just having a, a meeting with the staff and I said okay uh, I need I need for us to meet today. This is at 9 o'clock in the morning. So I need for us to meet today, uh, but give me um, 30 minutes because I need to go into my office and look at all of our um, projects and our to-dos. I need to reprioritize. I need a moment to just Mm -hmm. assess everything. Yeah. And then the phone rang, and then an email popped up that needed some adjustment and this and that. And then the next thing you know, it was – um, you know, ten thirty and I yeah. have a meeting and they're like, Are you ready to meet? I'm like, I am so sorry. And um it's that's one of a million opportunities and days where um you really do have to force yourself to to close down, shut off um the external um distractions. Distractions yeah. that are coming about and you have to just say, Okay, let me just kind of get a feel for what's really going on here and so creating those moments of self-awareness as much as possible whether that's moments of just quiet time uh, maybe that's your um m- through meditation or or just quiet assessment time whatever it whatever it is for you you know i think it's important to do and um and then because and then having a gauge of maybe a, when i say self-awareness is not just a what i need what do i need to handle what do i need to take care of but and then being kind to of yourself, but also the okay, this is. I have a feeling. It, mm-hmm. I feel like I got mm-hmm. a pressure. I feel like I have a, a weight. Mm-hmm. Where is that coming from? And where is that in my control? Is that out of my control? What What can I do to make those things, you know, uh, uh, better in my life? Is a I think you know the normal things. I think anybody would would take care of. So self awareness and then. Yeah. I'm pretty intentional um, about right now, um, and this has helped but um, i I work to communicate with my friends and I've been really intentional about that um, in the last what do you mean by s- communicate six months um, you know I have a a friend who lives in Dallas who's a a, a, a a great human and i just get along with him so beautifully and it's easy for um us to i just lost touch with him for yeah. a while and you know and he doesn't hold any grudges and neither do i you know we just lost touch yeah about it but like um now i make certain like almost on a weekly basis if it's possible we're we're texting even if it's nothing
0: yeah even if it's yeah.
1: um <laughs> um uh, a silly meme yeah, or something yeah. that keeps, but like i i'm mindful of there's seven friends that i have that like i'm intentionally communicating with um at least
0: you know once every two weeks it, i've, I've uh, got to ask this question is seven Intentional? No. Okay, all right, cool. I just, just I didn't know if that was the secret sauce. Like, no, that's okay. not a secret okay. sauce. Okay. It's just cool. the seven I'm sorry. people Go that ahead.
1: I to, and, and you know the part of it was I I there was a time where I was like, well, I have my one good friend. I think everybody has their one good friend. Yeah. And they're delightful. And yeah. but um, it's a little bit unfair. Sometimes um, if you're dumping all your stuff, your grief on that person or even all your joy on that person. It's great. But like um, so they get busy. Yeah. They have their lives too. Yeah. And it's funny. I, 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 I had a couple of people like that and I started feeling a little bit of resentment mm-hmm. uh, towards like, why are they not communicating mm-hmm. back with me? And it's like, it, duh, because you know, <laughs> they have lives and children and, and maybe you're not, maybe they, don't want you to be their sole focus right yeah, now yeah and um and as i get older um it's just important for me to have um to feel like i have a group of people who might, i might be able to talk with and if there's issues but also just to feel connected i think the the human aspect of that it's funny because somebody asked me about that and they they found it to be ironic you know i I deal with the largest student organization on campus. Yeah. You know, um, and I deal with them, you know, constantly. And I'm around hundreds of students all the time. And and, and I admitted that I'll, there are many times where I feel quite lonely, even mm-hmm. though I'm, I, I have impact on so many different levels. So there's a lo- number of students, you know, and uh, they, thought that they thought that was funny. But, I mean, there's a – it's even – that can feel even more – isolated when you feel like you're giving to a bunch and there's nothing coming. There's no, you know, personal connection. I mean, You're you're trying to be as personal as you can from four to six on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but you're also trying to teach. You're trying to have a curriculum. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, I've been really intentional about making sure that I have a group of students or excuse me, a group of, of friends, friends. Yeah. Who uh, I stay in communication with, and I and when I say intentional, I just, that's that's something that if I don't do it, uh, they'll drop off the radar, and um, and you know, I want them to feel like I care about them, even if it's because uh, I want them to know that they're important in my lives, in my life, not because I need them per se. I don't want it to be like, oh, I'm just going to keep texting them because I I need their support later. I, I genuinely care about them, and the way you do that is, you know, yeah, just reach out and say, hey. I'm,
0: I'm sure you can tell it by my face, but like this is my jazz. Like this is this this is just coincidentally, or you know, by divine um, happenstance. I'm I'm doing a lot of research in this area right now for a fun project that we're working on for the fall. Um, And the book that I'm reading right now is called Sacred Rest, um, and it's by Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She breaks rest not just into have you slept enough, you know, do you need a nap, do you need a cup of of coffee kind of thing, but she breaks it down into seven areas, uh, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, and sensory. And you talking about that, I'm around a ton of people, but I feel so alone, you know, like that is like, a a what she qualifies as like a drained social rest um uh uh tank yeah you know kind of like we talk about like love language my you know my love tank is is like lo- this is she's talking about your rest tanks basically hmm. and so you talking about that that was just it it was just right in line with what i'm obsessed with right now so it was it was oh, very that's cool. crazy yeah so speaking speaking of um of books, do you want to do some rapid fire questions? I don't like rapid fire, John. Okay, <laughs> but that's okay. I will
1: do my best. Okay,
0: okay. We'll um we'll take some advice from you to your younger self, and we can go slow. So we can go some some slow fire questions <laughs> instead of rapid fire. <laughs> that's so, fine. While we're on the topic of, of books, are you a reader? Do you like to read, just like in the evenings and stuff? Yeah, I don't. Uh... <laughs> you uh, like to? You don't always like get to, to it. Yeah,
1: I like to read. Um, and, um, when, I, when, and I go through seasons where I'm, yeah. I I go through it and then times I can't. Yeah. Um, but are you going to ask me what I'm reading right now?
0: Well, I don't have to. Instead, no, what I okay. could say is like, what are, what are, what, what are like two books, the next two books that I should pick up?
1: Oh, well, the next two books that you should pick up are the two books we're reading right now. Yeah. It's funny because we're... As part of our – every year for um, our leadership team, we, we require reading of the students before we prep them. They have to – we have to train them as
0: leaders. Yeah. And,
1: um, coming out of COVID and coming out of the time where we, we modified so much of what we did, and one of the most challenging parts was um, cre- creating that feeling of family mm-hmm. uh, when you had to be socially distant, even outside. Mm-hmm. And then, you know – we had students who only went to one game because that's all that was allowed. Um, it was very, very challenging, and it yeah. worked at the ver- It worked against the very thing that we strive to do in marching band. Besides being rabid fans of Baylor and supporters of Baylor, and doing what we do, which is creating
0: energy at the highest level. Um, yeah, well, it's also about family and about
1: gathering, and so
0: I mean that's literally um, what we do. So I I know exactly how you yeah. feel. We are just now having people in this brand new space. Right. It it has been not just the lack of bodies in here, but like you said, the lack of energy, the lack of family. Right.
1: So the two books that we're reading right now in preparation, uh, one's by Priya Parker. It's called Art of Gathering. It's been on my list for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And that is about, again, intentional um, gatherings. And so, you know, if you say one of the things that we're going to we're working on with our leadership for this season is okay we always have a section unity night where they get together at the beginning of the season and you know they'll get together and talk about the traditions and what means what it means to be in that section and historical elements of what that means yeah but also all right what what's that's great what are your other what are the other things that you're trying to intentionally do so at the beginning we're going to be focused on Uh, breaking down barriers and making everyone feel comfortable and making everyone feel as um, letting them know that we value them and their particular strengths whatever they are we're going to find their strengths whatever those strengths are Uh, we don't worry about the other stuff we just we just know like you know some people are this and some people are that and we want to Praise their strengths, yeah, um, and lift them up, and and that's what the first section of first meeting will be. And then mid semester we'll have another re- required meeting for those sections. It's like okay, now this this one's going to be about okay, we're all dealing with a lot of stress, and um, let's take some time to debrief. Let's hear each other. Let's talk. Yeah. Let's understand what's happening. Yeah. Um, let's share our stories and. Um, have some real. So essentially the Parker book is uh, about building intentionality, about yeah. not just getting together and hanging out, but um, devising ways in which you can be intentional. And that's important for us because we want to build that back into what we're doing, especially after COVID. And then the other book is similar. It's by Charles Vogel. It's called The Art of Community. Yeah. And um, both of those are, are fantastic Um Books, but I think right now uh, for any group that's coming out of COVID, mm. that has that has levels of social elements that are important to what they're doing, and I think everybody should be doing this. I mean, every business should be focused on. Okay, we went into isolation and we learned a lot, and we we knew we we understood how important it was for to be together with each other. But um, let's reexamine again what. What it means to be together, and mm-hmm. um why is it so important uh, what does it actually involve yeah. you know? and um can we be mindful of that, and can we rejuvenate that? just don 't just say we just need to get back together again let's just figure out what is what's most important to us,
0: and so everything this year is built on community i I have an audible credit that is like burning a hole in my pocket. I may have to get art of gathering for, um, when I drive to Austin later today. Yeah. It's, it's really strong. That'd be fantastic. So, okay. So, um, while we're on kind of like entertainment medias, uh, are y'all watching a show right now? Are y'all like really into a certain show or anything? <laughs> Maybe rewatching Big Bang, you know, or something That's like so that. That's so
1: funny. We're we're going to take a trip this year. Uh, we It was slated for last year, but we didn't yeah. do it because of COVID. We're driving to Montana to stay right outside of Yellowstone. Very cool. Uh yeah. And uh you know, we're just gonna lug everybody in the car and make a massive trip and so are you watching Yellowstone? Is that headed? My wife watches
0: Yellowstone. My parents are into it and uh, like every time I talk to my mom, she's like, Okay, this is what happened. You need to watch it. Okay. So very apparently it's very soap opera y. Um Well, I I loved Dallas. Like and my mom says that I'd I'd love this even more. Yeah, you would. For sure, Very I've
1: cool. watched certain things, um, yeah. certain episodes. I don't, I don't watch it as religiously as my wife. Yeah, um, in in our household, um, I think we like to think that we're amateur foodies. We we've spent a lot of time <laughs> thinking about food, talking about food, yeah, going to places and learning about places. We've been to food festivals and taking you know, even classes. So, um, things like Top Chef, the Mm, show by mm -hmm. Fran Bravo, we watch that kind of stuff. Um, for me at home, I, um, personally, my obsession is, um, soccer. I coached, Hmm. um, soccer and select soccer and my daughter plays, um, in select soccer league in Dallas. Um, and so, um, I spent a lot of time watching European soccer and not so much MLS uh, these days, but yeah,
0: that and then um, food stuff really. I could I I and seriously have done this recently. I could just take an entire Saturday and w- just watch Good Eats episodes. Oh, that's like, so that's, fun! Alden Brown is like oh, my hero. Yeah. I
1: love it. I love how he brings uh, science. And yeah. Yeah. He's the Bill you, Nye of food. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it just exactly. helps you understand, well, this is why yeah. this tastes this
0: way, why these things work together. And it's like, oh, cool. I yeah. probably
1: won't remember that, but no, it was
0: super cool to know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so cool. Um, well, then that's that's kind of like my, my last question. It's a little controversial. Okay. Um, do you like Mexican food? Of course. Okay. What's controversial about that? No, no. This is the one. Oh, no. The best Mexican food restaurant in Waco.
1: I don't know the answer I think you have to decide mm-hmm. what um, what your style of Mexican food is because you know what we have of Mexican food is not it's tex-mex yeah it's Americanized yeah. version yeah do you you know what so I have a I have a test yeah of how I judge sort of tex-mex and Mexican restaurants and what I do so we we do a um, every place I go, I always start, we, you know, all are the same thing. I always, I got to taste the refried beans. I got to taste their Spanish rice and then the chips and salsa and, and then, uh, their fajita beef. Yeah. That's just sort of the stock stuff. Yeah. Um, there's other things in there like the, the, the Pico and other, and you know, their guac and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but I kind of feel like. If you can if they know how to season their fajita beef well yeah and they know how to do the beans and the rice uh, then you're gonna then that will be good. Yeah. I can't say what's
0: the best. Okay, then let me put um, it this way: uh, if we were about to go to lunch and I was like Isaiah, name three Mexican food places. Like what what are some of those that rise to the very top? Your favorites?
1: Yeah, I mean it just depends. It's just yeah. not fair. So what what are you looking for? That's what I say. Do you want tacos? Because there's several mm, places yeah. here in town where you want sort of authentic street type sta- tacos. Maybe yeah. you want to go. Maybe you're a Taco Z kind of a guy. Yeah you know um but i think honestly i um i, I still think ninfa's is is very very solid mm. i i um i think they're fairly consistent and they have great food yeah um
0: we like Don Carlos a lot. And that's I like think, true Tex-Mex. I that's think, not Mexican food. That right. Is, yeah. It's
1: exactly it. Now we're yeah. th- th- both of those are tex Mex. Yeah. It's yeah. not
0: authentic. So where so where where are we going to go if we were going to have like like authentic sit-down Mexican yeah. food? I there um I'm going to refrain from saying the answer mm, on this. I don't see, want
1: see controversial. I know it is controversial. I don't want people to <laughs> uh um uh, yeah yeah i judge, exactly. I judge exactly. people yep. i judge people on this response and so i <laughs> like authentic mexican food there's there's only in my opinion there's only two places in Me- in, uh, in, in waco where you could go and yeah. if i leave off mm-hmm. the two other places that people will say well they will disagree and i will yeah. be – um i i don't want to say it. but okay I, I think there's some great places. Yes, in, absolutely. I, I'm sorry. I evaded the no, question. No, I love it.
0: I love it. I evaded it because, Maybe I'll get you off the record on it. Well,
1: I, I evaded it because I know some of those people who are restaurant owners. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's I just the fun. Can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't want to
1: get myself into trouble. I know it.
0: I know it. I love it when you get to a place with a restaurant where you where you're getting to know like the the people that are there and the people that own it and stuff Ask like that. Ask me
1: what I think is my I'll tell you what I think is my favorite barbecue. Okay. What's
0: okay. What's your favorite yeah. barbecue? Okay, so for What's me, yours? I'm I'm a little partial to it um cuz I've been with it since the very beginning. I, I, I love Jaspers. It's great. Guess barbecue is, is my place that I would go if we were going to go have barbecue right now. And Absolutely. it's because it was a block and a half from my apartment when it started. Um, and actually that's not true. It was, uh, it was out there off the circle. Uh-huh. And uh, at the place that I worked, then we would go have Friday lunch there. And then that's when it moved a block and a half from my apartment. And I, I, I went down there way too often Um, when it moved to like, it's more like in permanent location Mm -hmm, um, in between that moving to downtown as a food truck and moving to that, a, 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 a former colleague of mine invested in the business and became a partner in it. So, um, uh, so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a personal investment, but it's also a, um, uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta stick with the people that, you know, I was there from the beginning with, what about you? And yeah. the food is outstanding. It's fantastic. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't be that way about it if the product wasn't fantastic. Yeah, I wouldn't. And, you know, I wouldn't be this vocal about it if it was a restaurant. I, you know, I won't name any names, but it it, it might rhyme with like duties. You yeah, know, right? I I don't think that you can get that personally invested in in something. More yeah, like although that.
1: Though, that that food, it, there's a great sense of consistency there. Mm-hmm. And it's and so it's very good. Yeah, it's great. I I too love um, gas. Yeah, I love. Um, I don't know the people as well there. I just enjoy the food yeah. and I think, you know, they, people will, well, I judge uh barbecue based off the brisket. I think you're, you're judge, go ahead, go judge gas by the brisket. Cause I think you'll find it to be outstanding. But what I love about gas, um, is the consistency of yeah. all the rest of its stuff.
0: Okay, we, we're going to we're going to have to have a whole other conversation about this cuz the next issue, I guess I'm going to give it away. We usually don't do this, but the fall issue is a Waco of food issue of the magazine mm. and so we're setting it up for like you know not certainly not like showdowns of like you know helberg versus Guess duke to the death kind of thing sure. but, but we want to you know we want to highlight some of those like a jasper something that's been here for a really long time and a Guess something that people who haven't been to waco in 10 years probably wouldn't know about you right. know that same thing with like doing uh uh key talks, you yeah. know and and then also blending it with the the asian food truck movement sure. you know that's going on right now and and yeah so it's it's going to be super good and what i'm hoping uh i can convince some of the restaurant owners to do is like a um a full tasting that'd be great yeah absolutely well
1: i i think though you would have a great time when our summer staff we used to do this thing every summer where we would decide we would Do Friday lunch. Mm. It was Mm -hmm. um, we're gonna test. So we did a for entire summer like hamburgers. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of hamburger joints in in Waco. People don't know about. You know, it's like all right. You have to order the exact same hamburger if it's available at that place, and you're gonna do a taste test. And we're gonna we're gonna at the end of the summer we're gonna come up with our top five and the reasons why. I like you know. And then we did the same thing for you know a lot of other stuff you know every summer it would be that way we've we've quit since
0: then but we've we used to do that a lot so you ought to bring it back i could use y'all as a test like a, a test study <laughs> we, yeah. Should. Yeah. we should yeah yeah awesome <laughs> cool. cool all right isaiah this has been a fantastically wonderful conversation oh, i've certainly you. enjoyed it I've, re- I've enjoyed it very much too thanks so much yeah I'm Jonathan Platt, and you've been listening to Direct Line Conversations, the podcast brought to you by Baylor Line Foundation. You can follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And if you haven't, hop on over to wherever you're listening to this and follow, leave a rating and a review. It really does help. Join me next week for another Direct Line Conversation. Thanks for listening.